Would you, you appreciate our worship team and all the musicians and tech, give it up for them one more time. Well, here we are in this beautiful, beautiful day to enjoy the presence of the Lord. Uh, in the first service, the Lord just anointed me to share, and I, I had given no thought to it or to share, uh, you know, okay, this is program. So I want to, I think I'll, well, I know I do, I want to share it with you. Uh, in, in these days in which we live, uh, we, we sometimes, culture, culture seems to desire to want to still the voice of the local church. Now here's what we know. Satan cannot stop the church. You know, the Bible says, you know, the gates of hell will not prevail against what? The church. So the church is alive and well. But the impact in which God moves today is in, and I, I will say institution, but it's not, but just so you can grasp it, because the church is not an organization, it's an organism. Organism. It is, it is alive, it, has, it just has life. And it's, it's the heart of God. But the reality, the reality is in these days in which we live, the church, because of everything that you experience in culture, culture is trying to snuff out the impact of the local church. And, and let me say that, that the church, so that we understand coming to church, gathering together in the sanctuary is is not, and I don't mean this literally, but it's not for you. The church in gathering together is that we might come and give God praise and worship. And as we come together and say, God, I'm not asking you for anything. You really don't have to because God already knows your need. Do you believe that? So we come in order to give God praise and to give him glory and to give him honor and to praise his name. And here's what he said. If you do that, he said, I will draw men and women to my heart. In other words, whatever you have need of, I'll meet that need. And so we know today that in culture, everything that you see seemingly on television or whatever the case today is you see just an absolute erosion of Christian principles. You know, there is a saying that I think we can say it and then the political world doesn't understand it, but it's this, if they just use common sense, amen? If you just use common sense, and you don't worry about how it's going to shake out, just use your head. I'm here to tell you, it could correct a lot of ill that's going on in our nation today and around the world. One of the things that the devil is using, it is this, it is the influence of COVID. COVID has created a fear over our nation and over the world today. And I think that we're to be as, as wise as a serpent and as gentle as a dove. 
And I think that's important. And that's what we've tried to do here at Victory Church. But what it's done, it has, it has created, as we have created, and God has blessed us, a virtual church. And I just want to say this, because there is a need for the virtual church. You understand? There's a need for it, those that cannot come. But what it's done, when you get used to not coming to the sanctuary, then the virtual church can become the church. Now, I want to shoot straight with you. I believe I was in meetings at Southeastern University recently. Matter of fact, a lot of meetings, it seemed like to me. And one of the things that was stated, that virtual education is the future. People are going to learn it's going to be virtual. In other words, the need for the resident in the classroom is going to decrease. Now, that's not good. Because in my opinion and the studies, you cannot learn as much as you need to learn in a way that you learn it alone in your den or before your television or laptop as you can like gathering together in the classroom to hear a teacher teach you and then immediately answer the questions that you might have. But why would that happen then? Why would it happen that virtual is because classrooms are expensive, those kind of things. Federal grants and funds often not available unless you're willing to sign coming down the pike documents that you believe principally in a lifestyle of gay and lesbianism. That's there. Enough said. The reason that we come to church is for him. But the Bible said, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. There must be something intellectually and emotionally and spiritually about assembling yourselves together. There is power and encouragement in numbers and togetherness. Somebody say amen. And when community looks back and community looks and say, well, is the church strong? I want you to know that Victory Church has functioned through COVID about as good as any church that you know. But I am, as a spiritual leader, not willing to not say it's important to gather together to encourage you and to encourage you and to encourage you when we come into the house of the Lord together, not for us, but to give God praise in unison, in voice, and in worship. And that's what God desires. So though we have reason to be virtual, and we shall continue, I want to say that virtual is never the alternative if you are able to come to the house of the Lord. Come to the house of God. Why? 
because we need one another. There is something you can feel in this room that you cannot seem to feel over the airwaves. Hallelujah. There's something important about God speaking. So I just want to encourage you. Culture, government would like to snuff out the impact of the church and COVID is assisting to some regard. But what shall we do? Tuck and run? Uh Uh-uh. No. We meet the devil. As a matter of fact, we will run toward him and say, we know in whom we have believed and we are persuaded that our God is able to meet every need regardless of the cultural climate. We shall preach the truth. We shall tell everybody. And in Lakeland, Florida, Victory Church has a great name. And let me say there are those in some arenas of news that would try to dampen that effect. But so let me tell you something. (laughs) Don't mess with Victory Church because we're in touch with Jesus and God is on the throne. You believe that? So now I, I could just say, oh, folks, that's your message for today. And how many would say amen? And I could say, since you've already got the message for today, I could give a benediction. But I studied too hard to not deliver what God said you're going to preach on today. So you stay with me. Those of you that are jeeping with Judd and Jesus, listen up. I preached last week on what is God's will for your life. I give you three reasons why it is God's will, how you determine how you live that. And then I gave you three reasons that God's will is not. It's not a feeling. Well, I sense it. I feel it. That must be God's will. Your, your feelings will get up and run if you're not careful. But today I want to talk about, I want to talk about um, well, I'd, who is God to you? What is God like? How is it to get to know God? There are many individuals that, that are world-renowned, they're famous, or whatever the case. And they'll often say to a friend who might have had contact with that person, um, you know, man, what were they like? I mean, they're so famous. What, what were they like? I mean, were they really, you know, or you'll read something, man, I met so-and-so, and he was just, she was just down to earth. Well, I, I have... People ask, Renee, what's it like to work with him? What's it like? People will then ask Sharon, what's it like to live with him? Please don't put her on the spot. (laughs) What's that like? Well, what's it like 
for you to have a relationship with your heavenly father. How do you relate to God? Somebody said, tell me about Jesus Christ. Tell me about God in your life. Oh, sure. I can tell you in a heartbeat. Now, there's a reason that, that in this subject where we're talking about it, because sometimes God is portrayed as the force. May the force be with you. I don't know why we seem to think that we need to lower our voice. I can tell you why. It would not be as effective if you said, He is the force. May the force be with you. May the force. There's a difference. Y'all with me? Help me out. I know what time it is, and I'm shooting for a particular time, and I'll get there if you'll wake up. <laughs> Unfortunately, I heard a lot of female amens out there. Huh? And then something that, that on television that God is lightning and thunder. And others will say, well, I think God's sitting up in heaven on his throne condemning everybody I know to, to hell. But you know, Jesus said, I'm concerned about that. So I'm going I'm to let you know about God. And he says, I want to share with you what it is. So in Matthew 6, verse 9, this is how you should pray. He says, he says our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And so he gives it to you in two words. Who is God to you? He is your Father. Your Father, Matthew 8, the Lord's Prayer, Jesus uses the word Father 10 times in that one chapter, and that is far more than that word was used in the entire Old Testament. God desires that we know Him as a Father, not a power, but as a person. Why? Because I can love a person. I can understand a person. I can know a person, but I, I don't know that I can understand a power. Some people in their own childhood experience, we know that they had bad, bad situation with their earthly father. They're unhappy. Their natural father mistreated them or left them or forsook them or divorced them and didn't care about them. Or if they did have a father at home, they was unstable and inconsistent. And here's what happens. Sometimes we make this statement, we don't help the ideology of who God is when you've been bad. How many remember this? Raise your hand and put it down. Hey, hey, I'll tell you what, you just wait. When your father gets home, you're going to get it. You remember that? Anybody? Well, i tell you what, when you hear that, how does that make you feel about old daddy? When my mother would say that, you, I cannot tell you how many things I thought ought to happen to my father before he got home. May he forget where we live. And my daddy never forgot. Sunday school teacher says, listen, children, God is like your daddy. And that student who has a bad experience at home might say, well, listen, if God's like my daddy, no thanks to God. I don't want to have anything to do with him. Our father then, which art in heaven. So Jesus is saying, your father is not an earthbound person. Our Father, which art in heaven, only one heavenly Father. Only one heavenly Father. So he differentiates between the earthly 
and the heavenly. So I want to give you four areas that I think with a few amens here and there. God is a caring father. Say that with me. God is a caring father. Psalms 103, 13, a father has compassion on his children. So the Lord has compassion on those who honor him for he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. Lest you ever get on your high horse that we were dust. He knows your makeup. He knows whether you're strong or weak. He knows your personality is type A or type Q. He knows that we're frail. He knows that we'll make a mess of things. He knows our human frailties. He knows that we are imperfect. And get this, even though he knows all that, he still cares for you. He still cares for you. Mark 4 shares the story of the disciples. Once again, they're in a mess. Their boat is shaking. The storm is great. It's sinking. They go to Jesus. He's asleep. Wake him up. And they said, don't you care that we are drowning? And he, he dealt with the situation. He sure did. He uh, secured them. And, and he knew after he reacted to their reply that he had helped them. But then 1 Peter 5, he says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Go to your father and say, God, this is what's bothering me. Problem is, we don't take it to him. We take it to Facebook. We take it to Twitter. We take it to Instagram. And what we ought to do, I'm not going to use the word shut up. But what we ought to do is be quiet uh, and take it to Jesus. That's right. Take it to Jesus. We remember he cares about our shortfalls. He cares about your health. If you got cancer, he cares. He cares about your car payment or the lack thereof or your house payment. He cares about your children and what you're going through trying to parent them. In Matthew 6, 31, don't worry about what you're going to eat or wear. Your heavenly Father knows that you need these things. Nothing you need that he's not aware of. He continues to encourage, hey, but here's what I want you to do. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first. I was in a little store yesterday, get a drink of water or a bottle of water. There are three people ahead of me. I don't know anything about the lottery. Nothing. I, 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 I thought, you know, Lord, if I played the lottery one time and bought one of those tickets, I'd probably win. And I'd never be able to explain that to my church. And then the other thought hit me. But God, should I ever do that, which I, I won't, if I win big, it's a whole lot easier to explain. I'm giving five million to missions, folks. Are you all with me? And God, every member of the congregation that's been here four weeks out of four weeks, I'm going to give them 100000 apiece. <laughs> Have any takers out there? <laughs> sure. 
but they were in line in front of me. One guy had $60. Another one had $40. I'll take number five. I'll take number three and two number ones. I'm thinking, what? Another one walked up. He didn't walk up. He meandered up. $50. Oh, take. At that time, I wanted to say, give the man whatever he wants so he can get out of the way. But I didn't do that. <laughs> I didn't intend to spend a day here. But I thought, wow. To be able to do that, you look at them, and, and if you're not careful, you'll have an opinion about that. And you know what God says, Wayne? Shut up. I care for them as much as I care for you. Amen? I care for as much of them as I care for you. And I had to recalibrate. How many of you would have to recalibrate? There you are. Sure. A Christian. It's wonderful. The Lord delights in the well-being of his servant. So he's all over you. He's all around you. He is there. Love is always a response to love. The Bible says that we love because he first loved us. He is a compassionate, caring father. Number two. Number two. There you go. Amen is a key word. He's dependable and reliable. You know, they may be crazy as all get out, but they are dependable. He's worthy of your trust. James 1.17, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father, from the Father who does not change like shifting shadows. He does not change. Amen. As you see, many earthly fathers are unpredictable, unreliable, fickle, and constantly changing. Inconsistent fathers produce insecure children. And the scripture says about our heavenly father that he's not only caring, but he's consistent. You can count about why he's never had a bad day. He's never had a bad hair day. He's never had a bad day. He's never grumpy. He's not moody. He doesn't get up on the wrong side of the bed. He's consistently faithful. He doesn't have mood swings. It doesn't mean really one minute he's nice to you and the next minute he wants to claw your hair out. He is a consistent heavenly father. Somebody say amen. If you talked to him yesterday and you talked to him today, he's the same God. Hallelujah. And you talk to him tomorrow, he's the same God. He is the caring father and he he is consistently giving oversight to you. You don't have to get upset and know if God is not going to be there. He's there. 2 Timothy 2.30, if we are faithless, you know what that means? That's dangerous. If you're faithless, he will remain faithful because he cannot disown himself. He's there with you. Malachi 3.6, I am the Lord, and I do not change. Proverbs 18.30, 
What a God he is, how perfect in every way all his promises prove true. He's never given you a promise that he cannot fulfill. Number three, God is a close father. What does that mean? He's nearby when you need him. I saw him standing right there with those three men buying lottery tickets. He's right there with them. He's the God of the sunshine and he's the God of the shadows. Hello? He is close. He's nearby when you need him. You see, God has an all-seeing eye, but how many of you had parents that one of them had all-seeing eyes too? May I see your hand? My parents had all-seeing eyes, but I had a sister, 11 months, I guess, younger than I was. She had an all-seeing eye. <laughs> Mama, I didn't see Wayne in class today because I fell the first grade, broke my arm twice right here. Had a cast that was heavier than I was. One night it pulled me off the bed onto the floor. My dad ran in, stubbed his toe on the way in. It was a horrible night. <laughs> Got me up. It didn't grow back. It grew back crooked. And they had to redo it completely. That's why I cannot throw more than a 90-hour mile-an-hour ball. I just can't do it. If I hadn't have broke that arm like twice, it'd been unbelievable. But my sister had an all-seeing eye. She says she's the reason I'm in ministry today. She said, if I hadn't have been there, you'd have done so many things wrong. I kept you in line. I'll confess to her because she's watching. I haven't forgiven you yet. He's close. He's close. You see, God did not, or God did this so that men would reach out for him and find him since he is not far from each one of us. That's Acts 17, 27. When Paul's talking to the people in Athens, he said, God doesn't live in a temple or a little house. Why? He's not confined. God is omnipresent. You on vacation? He's there with you. Be careful. Well, I'm not at home now. Be careful. Children go today, grow up today with absentee fathers. They're never home. And unfortunately, when some of them do come, they're drunk as a skunk. Skunk. And absentee fathers are distant from their kids. But here are three things that I want you to remember about the closeness of God. You can feel. The guys were kidding me the other day and we were in an executive meeting and we we're talking about songs and so what do you think pastor's favorite song is? Doug English, who never says anything. Said, I know.
And I started saying it. One for the money. In the presence of Jehovah, Lord Almighty, Prince of Peace, troubles vanish, hearts are Mended in the presence of the king. And then I launched, he was there. Oh, you see, I feel him right now. How many know what I'm talking about? I can feel him right now. He said, I'm close. You just start ringing his bell, he'll answer. Amen. You touch the hem of his garment, he'll know you've done it. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Isn't that, isn't that wonderful? How wonderful is that? It's this, he says, hey, you reach out. He's never far from us. But we know, number one, God's never too busy for you. Never too busy for you. Psalms 145. The Lord is near to all who call on him. Number two, God loves to meet your need. You wondered if he's there. You wonder if he's on. Man, what else is going to happen? He said, I'm here to meet your need. Matthew 7, he says, if your earthly father is good at giving you good gifts, and your earthly father is imperfect, you just wait to your heavenly father who is not imperfect. He's perfect, and he gives you good gifts. So he meets that need. And then the other, we understand that God is sympathetic to your hurts. The Lord is close in Psalms 34 to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. He said, if you're grieving, I grieve. Your heart's broken, I'm broken. Some guy stood you up, buddy, I know that name. Something breaks your heart in relationships. I know all about that, he said. You feel trouble. God said, I'm troubled. You're in pain. I know your pain. There is nothing that you as my child is ever going to experience, but what I don't experience it right along with you. So it's no wonder I sing in the presence of Jehovah. Hallelujah. Number four, God is a capable father. He's good. He can handle any situation that comes your way. You think you got a problem too big for God? Think again. He's a capable father. He's not overcome by the massive amount of your problems and how tough it is or what the challenge is. He said, just stack it up. I can take care of that. Jesus spoke Hebrew and Aramaic. But in Aramaic, we know that that was the language in Palestine. In the New Testament, the word for father, of course, is Abba. Abba, father, is the most endearing term that you could use. You know what it means, daddy? Daddy. I heard a lady the other day I was talking to, she's probably 55 years of age. She said, you know, I was able to talk to my daddy the other day. I thought, isn't that sweet? 
I like that a whole lot better. Well, I spoke to my old man. You ought to be ashamed of yourself for saying that about your daddy. She said, I spoke to my daddy. How many of you have spoken to your heavenly daddy today already? Amen. He's capable of a father. Baby, first words they speak often. If daddy hears it, it's dada. Some say, no, it's not. That's mama. Doesn't matter. Our Abba who art in heaven, our daddy who is caring and concerned for us. And this is what he says to you. Your daddy, nothing is impossible with your Abba father. You think you're way out there on a limb and the doctors have told you bad stuff. No, your Abba father still heals. He still heals. I was in a restaurant yesterday afternoon. I was in the kitchen. The owner of the restaurant, I said, how's it going? He said, well, I got this, this. It just happened this week. I can't hardly walk. I said, come here. I laid hands on him right in his own kitchen. And I said, Father God, and I didn't say, Father, I pray in Jesus' name you would touch him. I prayed, God, you're the king of the universe. You're the healer. You're the high potentate. You're the beginning and the end, the first and the last. By your stripes we are healed. Now in the name of Jesus, in this kitchen, I pray that you would touch him from head to toe by the grace of God. He knows. My Jesus knows. That's just what I need. How many know that song? My Jesus knows just what. I need my little sister over there playing the piano for me about now. He knows what I need. He says, nothing is impossible. And then Jeremiah 32, he says, I am the Lord, the God of all mankind, is anything too hard for me? What do you say to that? Nothing is too hard for him. God is able to do far more than I could expect or ever imagine or dare to ask or even dream infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, and hope. Nothing is impossible with Father. Nothing, nothing. Why? Paul said, my God will supply all my needs. So in that prayer, our Father, written in heaven, hallowed be your name, kingdom come, will be done on earth. There are three things. One, he gives you provisions for today. Don't ever complain about what you have to eat. There was manna that fell from heaven, and I don't know if it was Chick-fil-A manna or not. I don't know if it was Chinese manna. I don't imagine it was. I don't know that it was grits and gravy manna. It was just manna. Came from heaven. I'm glad that I'm able to eat what I want to eat these days. And again, it gives a pardon for yesterday. Forgive us our debts and we forgive it. You know what it means to have a clean heart? Amen. 
I mean, just Jesus, forgive me. It's done in protection from the snare of the enemy, which lead us not into temptation. Thank you, Jesus, by the grace of God. And then number four, it's important to remember something especially valuable. Galatians, Paul writes 3.26, for we're all children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And what that means is he is your redeemer, that he died on the cross of Calvary for you, that he desires to give you hope where there is no hope. And here's what he says. You can be, you can be, you can be a child of the Most High God. Why? Because God, God created all of us. We're all created by God. But there's more to being a father than just procreation. God said, you're my child. I created you. I formed you from the beginning. You're mine because I created you. But because that God created you does not mean that you're a child of God as his son. And Paul writes, we are all children of God, here's how, through faith in Jesus Christ. So God, I know you created me. But I can't live like the devil and never acknowledge you, and which is the blind spot of a lot of people. Paul writes through faith in Jesus Christ. That's how you become the Son of God. And so in John 14, Jesus answered, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He didn't say I'm the best way. I'm one of the ways. He said, I am a the way. You cannot come to the Father except through Jesus Christ. And the only way for him to become your heavenly Father is forgive me, Jesus. I believe that you are the Son of God who died for my sins. And John writes in John 1.12, but to as many as received him, he gave the power to become the children of God, even to those who believe on his name. So all those provisions are a result of him being your Savior and you saying, forgive me. Let's bow for prayer. Father, thank you now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit for your divine revelation. Thank you, God, that our life doesn't have to be a mess all the time. Thank you, Lord, that we can receive forgiveness if we simply call on your name and ask you to come into our heart. 
And so that's what we're doing now. We're asking you to come into our heart. I want to ask those of you online and those of you in the house, if you repeat this prayer after me right now, would you do that? Dear Heavenly Father. Dear Heavenly Father. I thank you for Jesus Christ. I thank you for Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, I humble my heart. Lord Jesus, I humble my heart. And I call on you. And I call on you. Would you forgive me? Would you forgive me? I've made mistakes. I've made mistakes. I've made a mess of things. I've made a mess of things. I have dishonored you. I've dishonored you. I have been rebellious. I've been rebellious. But today. But today. I'm asking for forgiveness. I'm asking you for forgiveness. So I believe by faith. So I believe by I am now forgiven. I'm now forgiven. And I am a child of God. I'm a child of God. Help me follow you. Help me follow you. As I follow scripture. As I follow scripture. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand? Let's give the Lord a clap offering. Would you do that? Here we go. Now listen. Impromptu last week, I had altar workers come. I did it because at that moment I thought it's the right thing to do and continuing in prayer. I got with our staff, Craig Butler and told Dan, in my spirit it's time for altar workers to come back. We. So we talked with these that are here, said, here's kind of the new guidelines. I want you to have a mask. Don't want you to hug anybody. I want you to pray over them. If people come down, we're going to believe God is going to touch them. Now, I know that some of you might not agree with that, but I ask you to bear with me. the elders of the church anoint them with oil and pray the prayer of faith and they shall be healed there's something about anointing with oil I've anointed people with Crisco lemon juice syrup doesn't matter whatever was available hallelujah if you feel and you have a mask or even if you don't preferably if you do and you want to come because God is speaking to you now like he's speaking to me you just need to come down and let someone pray with you and if you're willing to take that step of faith and you're willing to put yourself out into the avenue of faith, God will never turn you away. Why, he's a capable God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So the rest of you, you're certainly welcome to leave as we start singing. But others of you who need prayer, you come on down and we'll pray with you. I love you, everybody. How many are praying for me? Amen. Man, I hope you are. I need a whole lot of prayer. Amen. So here we go.